0: Back to Starve the ego, feed the soul. I am your host, Nico Barraza. and this is the 25th episode of the podcast that I launched in March of 2021. And the podcast has not been monetized yet, although I put a ton of work into it every week. I mean, probably 10 to 20 hours a week just into recording episodes for you guys, cutting video, editing the podcast, getting it all produced and uh now it's time to sort of ask for support from the community because i would love to monetize this podcast and make it sort of a full-time thing in conjunction with all the content i'm putting out on uh social media as well so i'm going to throw a link to a donor box site that directly feeds into the podcast and you can make one-time donations of any amount or you can subscribe to make a monthly donation to the show which i would really appreciate because it helps the show sustain itself it helps me sustain my work, putting in the 10, 20 hours, if not more, a week into producing the show for you guys. I really want to put more time and effort into the podcast. Uh, So many people are getting stuff out of it. And I really appreciate all the love and support. And if you can, or you have the means to make a financial donation or a monthly donation, I highly appreciate that. It means the world. And also, if you're new here, And you haven't listened to a lot of episodes. I encourage you to listen to the past episodes. We have so many amazing guests on the show. I've had some brilliant conversations. I hope you really enjoy them. I hope you find meaning in the conversations that have been had. The other thing is if you haven't left a five-star written review on Apple, that really also helps the show. So if you're not able to give back monetarily, that's another way you can help the show out. takes two seconds. Pause it right now. Go to Apple click on review for the show, leave us five stars, write a little written synopsis about what episodes are resonated with you, what you think about the show. And also subscribe on Apple and subscribe on Spotify. That helps bring up the show ratings and really gets the show out there to more people's ears and eyes. And um, if you're not already communicating with me and interacting on Instagram, that's sort of the social media platform I use right now. Uh, my Instagram is at that baraza boy. I'll throw a link in the description to that as well. Please follow me on Instagram, interact. Uh, if you share the show, if you share an episode, tag me in it. That really helps a lot too. So this week's guest is my friend Julian Gavilanes. Julian is an actor and artist who was born in the state of Washington, but now is based in New York City. And you might know Julian because he is very close with famous and kick-ass musician Alan Stone. The two have been best friends uh, since childhood, and they create a lot of content together. And that's how I first came across Julian as I saw him in an Alan video, and I was like, "This guy's hilarious!" And then I started following him. And he was posting some really deep, meaningful content interspersed with all the creative stuff he was doing. And so I sent out a message and we started to chat and really connected and started to chat about past relationships and, you know, um, sort of our goals as creatives. And all, and it was just a really brilliant conversation. And so I was like, Hey, Julian, you should come on the show, man. And, and let's have a heart to heart conversation. And so there's no real, I would say, um, specific topic to this show, but it's a really good conversation between, you know, two men just getting to know each other and talking about relationships and trauma and, um, working on your own shit basically, which I can't think of a better Person to chat with than then Julian. He's very open. Uh, he has a lot of experience, um, and he, he's also very open with sharing some stuff that he's done in his life that you know has worked or hasn't worked. And uh, he's obviously a very talented actor and creative. Um, but that's not the reason I had him on the show. I had him on the show because he's a, he's a good person, and he's I got some very deep ideas, and he's able to share those with other people, which I think is is quite beneficial in today's day and age. Because a lot of times when we hear others share stories of, of triumph or of coming through trauma on the other end, or of reevaluating how they behave in relationships or what they're looking for. I think it also like empowers us to search for that in our own lives and in our own sort of loving relationships too. And I just want to thank Julian for coming on the show. It's a brilliant conversation. And without further ado, Julian (laughs) Gavilanes. i do a lot of playing but i don't do a lot of conscious practicing and practicing is not fun you know because you have to it's doing shit that's out of your comfort zone so a lot of time Damn. when i'm noodling around it's just it's already muscle memory you know yeah so to yeah. get better you kind of got to do the makes, shit you're not doing makes,
1: i know it makes me sad man i like i pick pick the guitar back up and i just go back to the same like i can't even play the old stuff that i used to be able to play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't much you know it, i yeah. learned some chords and then i was like i thought i was the coolest kid in town because i could like strum some chords and show hey, off dude. um yeah. But yeah, that I miss playing that is man.
0: Cool. Yeah. I uh do you yeah, I mean you sing with Alan once in a while, right? Like I saw that video of you guys. Um it was like a Christmas video. And <laughs> I think that was like right when I first messaged you like this shit's fucking brilliant, dude. It yeah. was so funny. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean I, <laughs> I I love to sing, but I pretty much stopped singing the minute I met Alan. I was like, I am I'm, yeah. I'm I'm done. I'm never doing Fair this enough. again. Which yeah. is in retrospect uh dumb because everybody i mean look if you're best friends with somebody like alan stone and he you know you're you're spoiled by somebody who can sing that well Mm -hmm. like it's it's silly to to expect that you're like i'm never going to sing like that but even good singers that i know and like can't sing like that but they still sing well in their own way yeah um i love i love to sing i just love to just like go hard at some karaoke though like i'm not trying to you know be on broadway or yeah, do anything professional and... but yeah. the the christmas thing i'm i'm more of a rapper if nice. you will yeah yeah so uh, i throw down some hard hard raps dude hard raps your that's last me.
0: name is gavilanes right yeah yep yeah that's yeah a, what do you think name, that is dude uh it could be greek that's, could what, be... Everybody, that's
1: what everybody says and it i could... think Go ahead. Yeah. It could be what?
0: Like, give me another guess. One second. Uh, God, I'm be honest. I mean, it sounds Hispanic to me too. Like, it sounds like Spanish. You know, it sounds like. like yeah, but you yeah. get
1: twisted because you look at me and you see my frosted tips and my.
0: No, you you got you got like the Mark Damon and like a little bit of Antonio Banderas in there, dude. <laughs> Mark <You> Damon. Got... <laughs> <You> got... <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon, sorry. <laughs>
1: I am Mark Damon, <laughs> <but> <laughs> the second brut. version of him. <laughs> you're his like, You're his brother. Mark bro. <laughs> Damon. I'm Fat Damon, is what Alan calls me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no it is uh it is latin it's uh actually ecuadorian uh, that's right you not. told
0: me this okay yeah. yeah all right yeah it's
1: crazy though because you know even as like i'm I'm an actor and it's so hard to identify my cousin is uh is here right now in town in, in new york and um, i haven't seen her for a decade and we spent the other day hanging out for like five or six hours and a big portion of the conversation was talking about identifying as an Ecuadorian for me, because my dad is one of eight who moved, who was, uh, the only one who moved to the States. And so he met like a white woman and married an American. And so my brothers and I are the only like gringo, loco cousins in, uh, in Ecuador, when we go back yeah. there, because, you know, all of our cousins are Ecuadorian and they've traveled the world and, and we're like the Americanized cousins that go out there. So it's an interesting thing because especially as an actor, I, like you know, I like have to embrace whatever aesthetic I, I represent. Yeah. And that's this, that's like, mm. I I look white. I look like an all American douchebag, <laughs> you know, and that's what I have to kind of embrace. And, and even when I tell people I'm Ecuadorian, it's just like. No, you're not, dude. Podes,
0: positive self talk, buddy. I don't <laughs> yeah. think you look like a douchebag at all. <laughs> I mean, look, um,
1: dude. I have to embrace it. All right, it's what <clears throat> gets me paid. True. Okay,
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious on did your dad uh, does he speak Spanish because he's from Ecuador? So he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, so he's,
1: yeah, it's it's his first language. He, yeah, that's his. Jam, he's yeah. he's uh, yeah, but but my parents. The only reason I'm I'm awful at speaking Spanish, uh, mostly because my parents uh, spoke it as a fighting language growing up. Yeah. And so I didn't, I, I, they wouldn't, they didn't teach it to us because they kind of wanted it to be their secret language mm. so that we didn't know what they were talking about, um, which is interesting. It's kind of, uh, sometimes I think of that this is just an excuse why I don't know Spanish, but part of it, I, I, I think I don't want to learn partially because I kind of associate it with, with fighting and with like aggression. Um, and so... I, even when I hear, like I, I understand it. And if I'm immersed in the language, I can speak it, but um, I don't really like to, there's like a, like some like little triggering thing that happens with me when I try to start speaking it. And it it's uh, it's weird, man. But that's but yeah. interesting.
0: I, I, I didn't learn it growing up. So my whole family speaks it there. You know, my, it was my uh, grandmother, my Nana's first language. My uh, thought to learned it shortly after he was kind of a teenager, even though he, they both, they're all Mexican and Hispanic and, uh, like Got some native and some Spanish blood too. Uh, and my mom spoke it decently well. My uncles all speak it. Um, but I see it, my generation, especially where I grew up, it was like you're American, you just speak English, you know. Mm. So, my they would speak it around me, but and a little bit to me, but it was really like <clears throat> they kind of communicate with the children. Like, I had 16 cousins, like in English, you know. So, yeah, a lot of them didn't. No spanish and it wasn't until i got older you know i studied in high school and you know my accent was great because i grew up around it but i didn't really fully learn it until i moved to chile Uh, after i graduated undergrad i like really wanted to immerse myself and i was like i need to like you know respect my heritage and like just learn this language And i'm not you know fluent but i got way more proficient down there because i was down there with a no, no one no new new no one and was just like okay i'm gonna speak spanish and chilean spanish it, i mean Ecuadorian spanish is beautiful it's like pretty easy to understand it's like you know this more central you get i feel like <clears throat> the, the sort of easier it is for the most part to understand in chile fuck dude it's um <laughs> like it is just like shotgun Spanish, like they are just like shooting really? it at you all. Yeah, they they drop off a lot of their no-distracted Chile. I love Chileans I love Chilenos, but they like drop off a lot of their their vowels and shit, and they mm-hmm. have different words. They have a lot of um uh, sort of Chilenismos, which are which are just like kind of slang words. But the difference is like. The slang words are used in the professional setting. So, like, these words are used by professionals. It's not just, like, slang when you're talking with your buddies. It's, like, everybody uses these words. So, there's a lot of different, you know, words. Like, for instance, like, a a peanut is cacahuate in Spanish, and it's mani. In Chilean Spanish, and Weird. uh, avo- av- avoc avocado is and, avocado, and it's it's um palta in in Chilean Spanish. Which there's that's just bizarre. different words for shit, yeah, so you like got to relearn like some of the nouns. And I'm you know it was just funny. My host dad, uh, when I when I stayed with this this family in chiloé it's this little island. Um, it's the most southern, it's the biggest island uh off the coast of South America, but super wet. It's it's much like Northern Washington. It's like a rainforest and mm-hmm. rains like three hundred and 50 days out of the year so staying with his family for three years while i was teaching or three months excuse me while i was teaching english and my my host dad didn't speak any english and whenever i'd speak uh spanish and like you know fuck butcher something fuck something up mm-hmm. he would always like shrug his shoulders and say como tan and it, basically in his mind that means like oh man shit happens it's all good right. <laughs> He was like it's all good dude you don't okay. have to get the words right dude i get what you're saying
1: yeah yeah it's hard man if you don't if you don't if you don't just practice it every day and and <clears throat> and keep speaking it on a regular basis yep. it's it's hard to it's hard to keep keep up.
0: Most definitely, and I've lost a lot of it because I haven't I haven't been you know I haven't stayed on it since I left Chile, and that was when I was twenty two, twenty three years old. So and, and how long ago. were you there? I was there for a little over a year, rad, almost a year man. and a half. Yeah, that's cool. Met a, met a girl, fell in love for the first time. Uh, it was you know, little, you? I was twenty two, so I I'd, I'd never really been in a relationship until then. You know, I you yeah. know I kind of gone on some dates or whatever, but I in college I was an athlete and working in science labs and I never had time Same to really time. date. Yeah. yeah. No time. I was a musician, you know, I was definitely around women a lot and had my share, have my share of fun in college, but sure. I didn't like get in a relationship. And then I met this gal in Chile, Russian model, like five, nine gorgeous blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. Spoke wow. seven languages. You know, I met her, she was What's filming this with marathon? People like that, man I would just, <clears throat> I would, I would
1: feel inadequate.
0: <laughs> I did. I did yeah. a little bit, honestly. You know, I was, I met her running this marathon. I was like my first marathon I ever ran. It was a uh, marathon down in Patagonia. And she was there on the film team as a sort of volunteer. She was doing this like externship from Russia. And uh, I was like, saw this girl. I was like, Oh my God, I'm, like I have to talk to this woman, you know? And mm-hmm. we started talking like hit off music and one thing led to another, you know, shouldn't move back to the States with me. And it was just crazy. It's the relationship I talk about a lot, like sort of was my first introduction to therapy. Cause I was like, after the relationship ended, I was like, damn. Um, I think I have some things I need to work on yeah. and, uh, I should probably start that now. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely
1: throws a mirror up in your face, uh, when you're in one and when you're out of one,
0: when yeah. you're looking for the mirror. Cause a lot of people are like, ah, just put a cover on that guy. You yeah. Know, don't need to look at that. It's cool. Yeah. to Leave it out there. Yeah. God,
1: it's, it's, uh, and and so you you were with her for a couple a couple just that year that you were
0: in Chile? no we were together for like maybe like a cumen like a culmination of maybe maybe two years like maybe a little like 36
1: we because it was your first love
0: oh dude it felt like i was like <laughs> you know you know how it goes yeah. man like yeah. it's yeah so it's so basically i mean i haven't even gotten into this story like we met um fell in love she was living in patagonia and i was living in santiago at the time which is the capital uh-huh. in the middle and uh i uh i was super you know i was just super infatuated with this girl so she came out and this is actually around music like the race director had been looking for a song uh for the sort of film that they were making on the uh marathon they filmed they're doing this big production uh and it was a really sick film and i was like oh like i i'm i was writing a lot of music at the time playing shows in chile in english so people like loved it because everyone sings in spanish there and I'm like, if you guys can pay for a studio, like I'll go, re- I'll write something and record something super cool, you know? And at that time, funny enough, this actually bring up Alan. I had just started listening to Mumford and Sons' new album, the 2012 one that won, like every single was like right. a top, you yep. know, it was like broke the Beatles records, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tingsek and Alan's album came out that same year. Oh, uh, cool. And I remember listening to that because I'd just seen them play together in San Diego my senior year before I graduated. And uh, I was listening to those albums and just super inspired by that music. And so I was writing a bunch of shit. And uh, they they sent Christina out. This is a gal to um, basically chaperone the studio. So she, they paid for the studio. She like picked me up at the place I was, you know, and we drove to the studio. And on the drive there, we just started talking about music and travel. And she had lived in France. And I was like, man, this girl's just like fucking awesome. And she is awesome. And you know, we kind of fell in lust. I would say, you know, I don't sure. I don't think it was love. Like we were just infatuated with each other. And um, you know, we were both children. I think like we, I, th- I thought I had everything figured out. Like it's funny when I was 22, if you'd ask me how much, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I know a lot. I've been reading all these self-help books. And, and now it's like, the more I read, the more I say, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know anything. You don't yet. really know anything. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the yeah. So we, you know, the less you we, do.
0: <laughs> exactly. So we, we traveled for three months in Chile, kind of stayed together, had no money. And then she flew back to Russia. I flew back to Arizona and that was right when I was kind of getting the taste for like trying to, pursue elite ultra running, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that was to me back then. And so I moved to Flagstaff. And uh the only way we could sort of get her here was like I helped her basically write a bunch of grad app applications and she was able to get an F one or a J one visa, which is a graduate student application or mm-hmm. visa. Mm-hmm. So she moved to Arizona from uh from Moscow where she was living. Wow. And um yeah, we stayed together for like another eight months and then, you know, it was very volatile. We both had our own trauma come came yeah, out right. and just the same patterns that I had noticed in myself since I was a child came up and you know, just, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty painful at the time. Uh, but man, I'm so grateful for her and just the lessons I learned through that relationship. And, you know, it allowed me to meet the next person who I, you know, coincidentally just like split up with in May of 2020, but that, that love was even greater. And I learned even more from that relationship because of what I had learned from the first, you know, so it was like compounding. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because like a lot of people when they get to be in their thirties, they've had a lot of relationships, and I've only really had two like like long ones. You know, I've kind of dated on and off, Mm -hmm. but um, which is probably like lower than most people, I'd say. But
1: yeah, yeah, I've had three. um, That's it. Yeah, you know, but like that's in in my mind, they're they're so significant because you know the first was seven, the second was five, and the most recent was two. Um, and two but like you know two years in your 30s is more significant than seven years in your teens into your yep. early 20s right because right. you know yourself more and uh, and then the middle one is just significant because it was long as well and i was kind of figuring myself out I'm, and i'm still figuring myself out but yeah uh y- you know you you talk about relationships quite a bit through this platform and mm. i'm i'm curious are, is is it something that that you're seeking
0: am i seeking a relationship yeah yeah you are i mean yeah i think i am man yeah it's uh-huh. you know and just i don't know like i go back and forth because there's always this thing where it's like just work on yourself and the person will come in your road you know whatever fall into your path and i don't necessarily believe that anymore you know i think that the universe just exists and it really doesn't care what we're up to and we kind of can control yeah. and impact our own sure our own sort of lifeline and not that like there's not greater spirit at play i do believe in a sort of interconnectedness and a greater thing like a a greater power than us but i i think that like yeah i am like i am consciously open you know i'm still healing from losing uh my ex-partner who you know i still love and i will always love uh and you know she left the relationship so it wasn't me so i think that
1: which was how long ago sorry
0: uh may of 2020 was when she left so right right i think like you know it's been a little bit over a year and i'm still healing from that you know there's a lot of love there and i'm still learning lessons i i consistently look back on, you know, things I did were good and things I did were bad. I'm trying to learn from both. And, um, yeah, but I think I'm at the point now where I'm like, you know, I've been on some dates and, you know, just seeing what's out there. Um, I think the difficult thing with me is like, uh, I just, I sort of know what I'm looking for. And I think sometimes I get in my own way where I have this list of things and I don't give people the opportunity yeah. to develop to to sort of develop to show me those things where i'm just like immediately like oh this is a red flag and i'm out you know mm-hmm. and that's what i'm currently battling with and one of the things i speak about a lot is like look i don't have all the answers starting the show i'm i'm certainly looking for them and i'm interested you know and yeah but i guess to answer your question i was long-winded i i am no, you know open it's, yeah but it's it's it's
1: it's interesting i i feel the opposite and maybe i'm just saying that i'm not really sure i don't fully okay. know what I want as far mm-hmm. as that goes but I do know that in my own independence I am by far the best version of myself I've ever been and that's not just this time around it's every time that it's ever happened because okay. I've been I think let's see like a year and a half two years two years so like five and a half a year I'm 35 and I've been single as an adult for five and a half years
0: wow um Yeah. That's not very long. That's
1: not very long. So I've spent the majority of my adult life in relationships and, um, you know, I, and, and, and I, I loved every single one of those women. Um, and I was, and I'm very grateful for each one of those experiences and I have nothing bad to say about any of them. Um, in fact, good things, you know, about, Mm. about all of them, but, but I certainly feel like uh, on the opposite side of that relationship, I have discovered the version of myself that I like a lot more than I do when I'm in those relationships. And it's so, wow. and it, and it, and it really kind of prevents me from wanting to be in another one because it scares the mm. shit out of me, man. Yeah. It scares me that like the next person, cause I don't know, like, you know, there's, and there's all these really incredible women around me all the time that like not that I'm dating or anything just like that are that that are around me that that I that I see and know and that I talk to and have you know just a relationship with platonically or whatever and and it's just like wow you might be epic for me you might be perfect but I almost don't want to uh to hinder that that friendship and that bond by (laughs) starting something with them and it it sucks and I think it comes from you know the examples that I had as a kid my parents got divorced really Mm. young and everything that I thought they represented was a was really a lie Um, there's like a lot of infidelity and I've cheated Mm. and I've been cheated on and so it's just like and honestly man like cheating is harder than being cheated on like in from my own experience
0: because you're sort of on yourself for yeah, you're the just more, you
1: are just the 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 committer of the crime you yes. know you did the thing so you if you're accountable then you yep. have to you know it hurts sit it hurts that. a lot yeah um, rather yeah. than being like I'm a victim you know right. you are the perpetrator um, yes and it's like you could have done something about that so like yep. you go through the phases of grief and you're in bargaining right which is like what if what could I have done to make this better what What could I have you know substituted for this to do that and it's just like in when you've cheated it's just like the deed is done and it's yeah. you know no. it's it's painful and yeah. and I don't Almost know definitely. man like I you know I, I find myself getting jealous I find myself getting insecure I find myself getting um you know just so uncertain so much more so than I already am as as a human being when I'm in a relationship and And, and I think just because I'm such an extremist and I like, and I, and I want to give so much love and so much of myself, uh, that I, that I forget to pay it back to my, to, to me and, uh, I become less than, and, and it's, and it's really, it's really hard. And I know, and I'm, and I'm learning this about myself much more now. And it really kind of keeps me at a distance from wanting to get into any relationships seriously,
0: i i can completely relate to that and here's what i think like i i really believe that you know we it sounds like it's it's a fearful thing right and it i is. and i can and i completely understand that too because i feel like in a truly healthy you know relationship that's that's sort of mutually beneficial for both parties and not always you know, we always fall short but in a, in a healthy one that sort of you know is able to repair and maintain i think that like you find greater pieces of yourself like of course we always have to make little sacrifices like relationships require that you can't just be fully selfish and think you're going to be in a relationship right so we lose a little bit of our autonomy that makes sense to me but you know to the extent where you lose yourself or you're not as good of a human being like you're describing or as good of a person or as good as, as good of a self or as stable of a self i think that that really has to do with the, the relationship dynamic like if we're not if we can't bring solidity into a relationship and be met solidly and firm ground, like, of course, we're going to lose that, you know, because we're, we're over giving or we're under giving or we're compensating or are undercompensating, And I feel like, you know, it has to do with the partner dynamic for sure. And the team and the teamwork, but I think, you know, if you go into a relationship sort of with the expectation that you're going to lose yourself, well, you might not with this one, you, you just, you just might not, you might, you might've grown, you might've learned lessons and it might be different. Now it might repeat, But then at least you have information to go back and be like, okay, I'm still doing this pattern. Like, how can I change? Because for me, like I've noticed, you know, especially with the serious relationships I had is just like the repetition of what I brought in from the first one to the second one, as far as like my trauma response or anger or resentment or, you know, what I do when I'm hurt or whatever, shutting down or avoiding, you know, and, and those things like, quite honestly, no matter the trigger have nothing to do with them and everything to do with me you know, because like, regardless of, of what they're doing and they're, they're, they're responsible for their own shit, but I, I'm responsible for my reactions and my words. Right. And so even if I'm triggered, the trigger, I'm not responsible for but the reaction to the trigger I am. Right. Mm. And so like, if the relationship is breaking down and I'm, I'm a part of that, then I just have to look at myself. And that doesn't mean like the relationship is going to survive with the other person doesn't do their work. But I would say like that fear comes from the preemptive assumption that you are either going to do something wrong. Or the person you're with is either going to do something wrong and that might not be the case. Now it doesn't mean you, you need to look for a relationship, but like you, we just don't know, you know, like at some point, you know, I think it's really good to be solo because to speak to your, your, sort of soloness for five years, like between uh, my first sort of love, this guy I met when I was 22 and I broke up with when I was 23 and my most recent one who I met when I was 27, there was five and a half years that I was completely single mm-hmm. and granted I was running full time. I was definitely running away from shit. I was like, Oh, I'm healed. I'm a you know, pro elite runner or right. whatever. And, you know, traveling the world and, you know, living on essentially nothing, but didn't really have a lot to, you know, pay off either. And I, I you know it was interesting because I, I feel like I was the most loneliness I've ever the the loneliest I've ever been in that time when people thought I was at the top of the world like I was you know never at the top of the game in the country but I I can compete like well with other people with other runners and was getting you know, paid to do so and shoot photos and videos of this stuff and. For for lack of a better word, like from the outside, at least on social media, like this person like doesn't have a job. They get to just sleep, eat, and run, and travel, and do these things that are so wonderful, and people were stoked. But I was immensely lonely from that too. And I think I really actually had to experience that loneliness and be completely alone to know that like I do want a partnership. I do want like to practice love with someone. And mm-hmm. I do feel like we can heal a lot on our own. But the only way we really get better in at relationships is to be in them. Yeah. You know, and so it's a balance, though, because if you're like the serial monogamist who's just in a relationship every freaking time, like you go from one to the next one, they all last three to five years or however long you never give yourself time to absorb the information and usually end up taking your trauma from one to the next. And you, yeah. you don't have time to change. So I think there's a balance of like taking the time to legitimately heal. And I don't know what the timeline is for people. For me, it's like definitely over a year with people like I still don't feel fully healed from my last one. I'm, I'm getting there. And I don't think we're ever fully healed. I shouldn't use that word, but, but healed enough to like not dump my shit on someone else from a past relationship. Yeah. But I think that like, we have to take the time for ourselves to really deconstruct and look at our own, you know, shadow and our own sort of, um, uh, you know, unhealthy patterns and behaviors in the relationship. Cause so many times we get broken up with, or we break up with someone and we're just like, it's that person, mm-hmm. you know, like this mm-hmm. person triggered me, they yeah. did this, they did this thing. And it, A lot of times that's not necessarily wrong, but it doesn't allow us any empowerment to grow because blaming something externally is saying that like, it's outside of me. I have no control over it. Taking accountability and responsibility means like I have power. I have control over it. I can control this situation, you know, and I think that anyways, to answer the question, I feel like for me, it's like whenever I make decisions out of fear, they're usually not the healthiest. And if I make them out of love, whether it's love, like true love for myself, not sort of a narcissist narcissistic love, but love for myself or love for another or love for community, they usually lead me down a path of you know, wisdom yeah. versus a path of knowledge, you yeah. know, and, and yeah, totally, much yeah. more in pursuit of wisdom these days because I've read a bunch of books and I've read a bunch of knowledgeable shit, but wisdom comes from experience and right. from practice and from failure and yeah. from reassessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with everything you're saying. And, you know, in, in my experience as a person, I've, I've never been lonely. I've never, like, even when I'm single, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by a really solid group, a community really, um, of people, you know, I'm, I'm still friends with 15 of my like middle school buddies you know, we've been friends forever. They all, I, I, we, some of us live across the world from each other, but we, you know, we talk, we chat, we can call each other at any moment. And I even have a community out here in New York, you know, and I, you know, like, yes, fear exists in my pursuit to find or to consider, uh, romantic interests. Um, but love exists at the forefront of of everything that I do in my relationships to people, whether or not it's romantic, or, or mo- mo- honestly, more so when it's platonic. Um, and I find that my relationships are so much more valuable as long as they stay platonic. And in fact, you know, I I I had stopped drinking and went sober for a few years, um, and then Alan and I went on the road and did this like karaoke tour and. <laughs> people started just bringing us shots of tequila. And so it wasn't really like a relapse situation as much as it was just like, I'm making a decision, like, fuck it, let's have fun. And we're singing karaoke across the country, like (laughs) just screaming fans, like this is absurd. Um, So I started drinking, but then like found the patterns kind of coming back slowly and slowly and slowly. And uh, uh, I have since like, you know, a few months ago stopped again because I'm just like, I got to cut this out. Uh, and in, in sobriety, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost impossible for me to want to try and find romance at all unless it's like such a deep connection. And so for the, for the period of time that I was sober those three years, I got, a, I, I found my most previous girlfriend, um, who I had been with. But I I thought for like a a straight year, I was like, I went abstinent because I couldn't like have casual hookups, you know, being sober. It was so strange and awkward. Why do you think
0: it was like that? I'm curious. Because,
1: because I was trying to, because I was practicing the same things that I was doing when I was drinking, which was like going out, meeting somebody who I thought was attractive enough. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's so shallow, man. And it's honestly like shameful to even like speak out loud, but whatever. Um, I I was, I'm filling a void really, you know, and trying to find somebody who was going to satiate that thing for me to, to Mm -hmm. validate me. And honestly, more than anything, I think I was, uh, I was in need of some, some form of validation. Like yep. if I get laid, it means I must be attractive enough for worthy. this girl who's, yeah. who's attractive to me to, to make me feel like, cool. Like I'm, I am enough, right? Yep. I'm worthy. I'm totally. valuable. Uh But, you know, at the end of that experience, it was always, and I'm sure plenty of guys and girls can relate to this of just like, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like. What, a, what did I do this for? You don't
0: feel good about yourself. Awful.
1: Yeah. You feel awful almost immediately. Right. Maybe even during. And so when I was sober and I was trying to practice these same things, you know, I was so much more conscious of what I was doing. And because of that, I could kind of acknowledge that this is what's happening right now. I don't actually love you or really like you for that matter. You're a nice person you're very beautiful um you've been kind to me and there's no reason why i should like be disrespectful to you by any means Mm. but i but i have no interest in in having a a sexual experience with you right now and i'm doing it i'm literally in the middle of doing it and i'm looking down at you and i'm saying i gotta stop i'm really sorry i have to stop and it was what was crazy was that you know, God bless these girls for not kicking me in the nuts and being like, you're an asshole. They were like, you know, thank, thank you for being honest about it. And I was just like, I would have kicked me in the nuts if yeah. if I could, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I stopped and I, and I went abstinent. And for a while I thought I was like, I was like asexual or something. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm even sexually stimulated anymore. If I'm not drinking, I think drinking was the root of, the the sex and, and that whole part of that thing. Um, and kind of the causation of why I got into relationships to begin with. It was like, I'm drinking every time we would drink, we would hook up and then we would, after we'd hooked up, we would then like start moving the ball forward. And all of a sudden you're in a relationship. Um, and so now, you know, being sober again, like, I don't, I don't know, man, like I'm certainly not out going on dates, like looking for anybody. Um, I, I fill that void in so many other ways. Like I substitute it with productivity. I substitute it. If I need a friend, I call a friend, you know, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of girls that I'm like, my best friend that I live here with, that I live with is a, a girlfriend that I've known mm-hmm. since I was in sixth grade. Uh, and we've never been romantic at all. Never will be. It's not even a question. And yeah. and she's pretty. She's great. She's cool. Um, But ne- never. And I think that's like such as so much more of a profound relationship than if like, if I sleep with certain people, then I'm, then I'm shooting myself in the foot. Um, yes. and I just, I, I don't know, man. It, it, so I, it's, it's crazy and it scares me.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing a lot, dude. It, it, it hits home. There's two things there that like, just, spark things in my mind one is intimacy and one is like casual sex so let's start with casual sex right casual sex like i have no problem with it we're we're sexual beings people have sexual sex drive like have fun right do you the thing with casual sex is and this is why i've lost myself plenty of times in my life and and i'm changing this now is that you know a lot of times Someone will say that, like, yeah, like, casual sex as long as you're honest and upfront with each other. And, you know, you you can say, hey, like, I'm not looking for anything, you know, but we can be friends and hook up, have sex together, have fun, whatever. That's totally fine if two people can do that. The issue is when a person is using that to avoid or fill a void, as you brought up, right? And I found myself doing that again and again throughout my life, looking for validation, like, um, you know, filling a void through sex or, you know, through sort of the pseudo intimacy through that. And it it has always prevented me from building legitimate intimacy or being legitimately vulnerable. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some of these people I slept with, I don't like, I don't see myself getting relationships with them. Right. So it's not as deep of a connection as with someone I would fall in love with, like my past partner. Right. And so now I'm at the point where it's like, I still have a insanely high sex drive. Like that's just my sex drive. I I know that, but, um, I'm not, hopefully as I build more resiliency and awareness that I'm not allowing it to control my thoughts and my actions, like my consciousness controls it where, you know, like I. Again, I still don't have a problem with casual sex, but what is the purpose of engaging, right? Are you getting, like, is it making you feel better? Is it making the other person you're having, you know, sleeping with feeling better? If both if both people are mutually benefiting, fine. Go at it. Have fun. Like, do you guys, right? Like, you don't have to be in a relationship to sleep with someone at all. Nor do you have to be in love with someone to sleep with someone. But knowing that, like, you know i want to build intimacy i want to build a connection with with somebody whoever that is you know i'm I'm trying to put these pieces in play on the chessboard that set me up for being ready for whenever that does come in you mm-hmm. know so that way i'm not just avoiding with it with drugs or with sex or whatever you know because a lot of times we we, bl- we look at things like drug addiction alcohol addiction or sex addiction or something like that or porn addiction and those are things that like blatantly we were like all right you know we got we got some problems here but for me, like a lot of times, I would I would hide behind ath- athletics. Like I would just go out and run 140 miles a week and destroy my body because I was a you know elite runner and I was getting paid whatever to do this and mm-hmm. and uh, I have a race in six months or whatever I'm training for and I you know if I had an emotion I wouldn't even deal with it I'd just go on a long ass run and just nuke myself right. and that's the same thing like everything is probably healthy to an extent until we become infatuated with it. And we're using it to fill a void instead of meeting that void. And so if I was running that much and meeting my emotions and going to therapy and like understanding all these other things, like it wasn't the running that was the problem. It was utilizing the running to avoid the emotion or avoid like the feeling of pain right. or the feeling of loneliness or the void or whatever. And, and I don't think everyone experienced loneliness. Like you don't necessarily have to experience loneliness, you know, to, I don't think it's like Everyone does. I think a lot of people do. But I think most people, if not everyone, has some thing they're sort of compensating for, you know, before we sort of fully see our shadow. And by shadow, I mean like the things that, you know, uh that exist with us that are usually from childhood, from our family of origin, that usually only rear their heads when we're the most intimate with people. You know, they usually only come out in our closest relationships, like the big parts of the shadow. And through love, usually. We're able to see these things like we're saying, oh, fuck, I'm doing this again with this with this next partner. I'm hurting this person the same way or I'm responding the same way, you know, and as we get older, we probably you know can hold back and have a little bit more of a governor. But it comes out eventually if we don't really deal with it ahead of time. And I would find myself running or escaping in sex or something like that to avoid the parts of my shadow. I didn't want to admit to like, I was like, no, I don't have these problems. You know, I'm good. I'm all right. Like, I don't have any problems. I don't need to go to therapy. And you know, now it's like, I don't think everyone has to be looking for relationship. I think it's fine to be single. Being single is okay. Like that's okay. But it's important to understand why we want to do something, you know? Like we know how now, like we got the how figured out. It's the why that's the crucial part. And so like, why do you keep seeking relationships so immediately? Why do you want to be single for a long time? And if you have a Mm -hmm. healthy answer, that's like steeped in sort of self-awareness and self-wisdom. Great. Like stay on that until you feel like you need to change, you know, until you feel like you're ready for a partnership. But if it's to avoid intimacy, you know, this is getting to the intimacy part. If I'm avoiding a relationship because I'm scared to show my true self, to be vulnerable, to possibly be hurt again, you know, to possibly be let down again or whatever, or to possibly hurt someone else. Like that that's probably not um, you know, making a decision out of love for myself. It's making a decision based on fear of possible outcomes. Right. You know? And that's my main thing.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I I don't know, I I'm not afraid to, to speak openly to any and every single human being that I encounter. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I can go on a date, which I, I'm I'm not really, but Yep. You know, dates scare the shit out of me, man. Like if I'm being really honest, like I really, I lived, I've never been on like a, like a dating app or I've never been on like a proper,
0: I've been. I'm cur- why do you think that is? Cause you seem like such a confident dude. Like everything about you is confident. <laughs> Honestly,
1: I would, I, I would feel more comfortable getting on stage in front of a thousand people, butt ass naked than going and like sitting with another human across a table without any like without any preconceived like understanding of each other and going to be like okay let's share each other and get to know each other and I think I was talking to a friend about it a couple days ago I think it might come from I I, I love meeting people in my environment right me doing something like you know I now have this other podcast that I do with Alan and we share ourselves. I speak pretty openly and candidly on it. And so people have, and you probably feel the same way here. Like people, people have a relationship with you because, because they listen and they're like, they're like, Oh my God, like, I really love how you talk. I love how you're so open and this, that, and the other. And they're just like, I like you already. I already like you. So you've skipped steps, right? You don't have to do anything to get people to like you. They just inherently, not inherently, but they do because they have, they have learned to through listening. And I have always been the type of person in my environment to be, you know, outgoing and fun and confident and and enjoying myself. And, you know, growing up, I was like a relatively popular kid and like cute enough to like hang out and have fun. And like, I didn't have any real issues with girls. Um, But it was because of my space, because of what I was doing and how I was doing it. And so the idea. Of somebody coming in, like somebody coming in blind without knowing me, without seeing me in the space. and being like, Oh, that guy's that guy over there is like dancing really hard at the wedding. He's he looks like he's a fun time. I want to go talk to him. <laughs> and rather being like, "Okay, we don't know anything. we're just gonna sit down and we're gonna get to know each other based off of like written word on in a profile on your tinder page or whatever yeah. like that scares the shit out of me, and it's maybe just an insecurity in like mm. I don't know how to start from nowhere to somewhere like I have to have I have to have some some like uh there has to be something that exists before yeah." as a reference to who I am for another person before I can feel like oh, like oh you have to like me yeah. before I can start to like you, I guess. I, I,
0: I was going to ask, do you think that has to do with like worthiness, man? Because I feel like, you know, it's, it's almost like you have to show someone you're like attractive or a badass in a situation before they think you're interesting enough to get to know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, if you look at the patterns of my relationships <laughs> previously, it, you know I was in two relationships where I felt like I don't know if this is necessarily true or not but I felt like these were two girls that like praised me and loved me they were like oh my god you're the greatest thing I love you so much yeah they learned to to, to stop feeling that way after a certain period of time um but my my most recent girlfriend was almost the opposite of that where I was like looking for somebody who was going to be kind of really brash and like wasn't going to praise me and was kind of going to be like a jerk almost to me that it was going to be like, that wasn't going to find me impressive. That wasn't going to think I was hot shit. And I, cause I wanted to feel, you know, like humbled by that. I wanted to have like humility in my relationship and not just feel like I'm the man, like I can date hot chicks and stuff. Um, but neither worked out for me, you know? And it was just like, I, I wasn't it it wasn't it was it's somewhere in the middle of, of both of those things i want somebody that's gonna love me and praise me but i also want somebody who's gonna not take my shit and like call me out on my bullshit and not right. be impressed by you know me um and they have to have and they have to kind of have a middle thing there but i don't know i i'm i there is definitely a a, a lack of worthiness in my life where i'm constantly trying you said it earlier like compensating um And I think there's certainly something that I'm trying to compensate for in my life. It's why I go to a a party and feel like I need to be like the person to grab the microphone and sing. Like I have to be the first person to do something so that I can give people permission to do it. Even in like an acting class, for example, I'm the first guy to go up. And people are like, Oh my God, Julian's so confident. He's always like the first to go up. But in fact, it's like this defense mechanism because Mm -hmm. I'd want to, I don't want there to be a bar set. I want to go up and like do whatever I do so that it's not have, it's not having to be like in competition with anybody, you know? Cause if somebody else goes before me in like a scene or a performance or whatever you're doing, I'm like, Oh no, now there's like a bar. And even if it's like a low bar, I'm just like, Oh no, I can't. Um, I can't, I can't match that or I now I have to match that. And that goes into my head rather than just like wow. being in the moment. I, I think like, you know, oh, I got to be first. I got to go. So, so all that to say, you know, I will enter an environment and feel like, you know, I need to, I need to talk to everybody. I need to tell them all who I am, express all of my flaws, weaknesses, insecurities and shortcomings so that they don't have any ammunition against me to like make make me feel bad later on. Like I wanna meet you and tell you all of my problems so that when you in, in inevitably start calling me out of my problems, I can be like, well I told you so. Yeah. And that's fucked, dude.
0: Yeah, I think I think the first part is okay, like telling someone about your problems preemptively, I think uh, Alain de Boton who I'm a huge fan of talks about this, he's about telling people you're crazies, you know, he puts in quotes, like, like what, like why you're hard to be with when you first start dating to let each other know. But that doesn't mean you can be apathetic about working on that shit when you're in a relationship. Like you tell people, so you, you can work on it consciously and, and right. not just try, but do right. Which is the main thing. It's when you said, um, like sort of the, the idea of like how you, you know, the first two relationships, they like worshiped you. And, and the third one w- was different. It was the opposite. It reminded me of this quote that, um, Vienna Farron, who is a client of mine, mindful MFT on Instagram wrote. And I just want to read it. Cause it's really interesting. It speaks to that. It's, she says, someone once told me that the best relationships are those where both people feel like the other person is just slightly out of their league. And I mm-hmm. always smile thinking about that. And she follows that up with saying, obviously best is subjective, meaning that, you know, just mm-hmm. whatever healthy, but, but I think it's an interesting concept because it's like, you know, at some point we do want to have value and place value in our partner where it, is, we are a prize and it is a prize. And that keeps you sort of interested in, in sort of throwing like logs into the fire, which is what sustains a relationship. If you don't think the fire is worth it, you're, you're probably going to not throw logs in. Or, or if you're only focused around your own fire, you're probably like, Oh, I don't give a shit about that mutual one, you know? And I think that there has to be a healthy balance of like, you know, just sort of, I would not want to use the word worship, but like, you know, praising someone and then also being praised. And it's like, you know, I'm going to do an Instagram video in a couple of days on the idea of like, it's the little things, meaning that like people think it's like the huge things that maintain a relationship, like the anniversaries or, you know, the honeymoon or the marriage or the wedding or these big cornerstones. And those things are important for sure. But the things that maintain relationships are the little things that happen day in and day out, that often aren't glamorous and unsexy, or maybe they are sexy, but they're they're the little things that make people feel valued, make people feel loved, make people feel appreciated, make people feel like they're wanted, you know, and like they're respected. And a lot of us, if not most of us, we fall short on that a lot of times. And it's okay to fall short on it once in a while, but I think a lot of relationships really struggle because people stop throwing logs in the mutual fire. They hold them for their own or they get mad when they don't get enough thrown in theirs, you know, and so they start we start this dynamic of push and pull instead of congruently meeting each other. And I think when we, when we do that enough, that brings fear into our lives or we're, we're really afraid to get into dynamics of that again, because we don't feel appreciated. Or maybe we feel like someone's over giving to us and we feel like claustrophobic. A lot of people get that too, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that shit will never change unless we work on our own awareness you know, I think self-awareness by far looking at our own patterns, our own childhood is the number one way to set yourself up in the best possible way to be ready for love and to practice love with someone mutually, Yeah. you know, because yeah. if we're just looking for the other person to be malleable and change and we're not doing the work on our end, we're going to hit a roadblock at some point. It's going to it's gonna, it's gonna I hurt. Mean,
1: I find that there's so much catharsis in, in my personal loneliness because as an artist, as somebody who, who's trying to create, um, I don't know. I've never felt, enc- I've felt encouraged, like be an artist, do, do stuff, do art. But I've never felt, um, I've never felt like, let, let me like fuel that, that creativity, um, in a, in another partner. Um, it's always kind of been more self-motivated and that's not, yeah. that might not be fair for me to say And if I listen back to this and like think about that, but I feel like being alone has allowed me to really look inward and think about, you know, yes. who I am and like be mm-hmm. introspective about what my wants and what my whys are for why I would want to be in a relationship or why I wouldn't want to be in one. and. Yep. I guess like just the inherent thing that I keep coming back to is just like, God, I feel like I feel so fulfilled in myself because I've, because I've spent so little time being alone because I haven't really been able to be uh an introvert at any time in my life. You know, I've spent so much time just being like the guy I, yeah. there that's doing the thing wherever that might be and you know i'm i'm really fortunate to have the community and the friends that i have and, and the relationships that i've had as well but god damn dude there is so much beautiful quality and and like and new discoveries in in this version of me that has literally no interest. Like, I like mm. if, you know, a girlfriend hits me up and it's just like, you're hot or whatever, you know, like, yeah. obviously those things feel good, right? Like yeah. to, to, to get validated is great. You know, especially in a world like acting where I'm constantly demoralized and like auditioning every day and being rejected, you know, yeah. you like, <laughs> you, you, you want to find validation everywhere you can. Cause you're just like, I'm if I don't, I'm just going to feel Absolutely inadequate for the rest of my life because of the nature of the business that I'm in. But I feel so, I feel so comfortable with myself for the first time, really, like genuinely. And and I'm, I'm kind of saying this out loud for the first time right now. Um, and I think, it, I think it's a big cause of, of like sobriety as well as, uh, just age and, and being, you know, I'm, I turned 35 a month ago or something. And I don't know. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to look back 10 years from now and be like, you were such a dipshit. You had no idea what you were talking about. And 10 years from then, I'm going to do the same thing. So you're you know, I hope, you know, cause I want to be growing. Uh, but I, I just feel, I feel like I'm, like I'm at, at ease with myself and I'm, and I'm trying to find ways to be, to be proud of myself. And not a lot of, uh, that comes from the, the need or the desire to, to have a person kind of yeah. helping me through that. And I don't necessarily know if that's, if that would be a necessary thing to have for that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I guess the problem is, is that, you know, once this person, this phantom person comes, if and when that fear is going to come in and despite how much i am infatuated and just like overwhelmed with love and 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 you know incredible feelings of butterflies and whatever you get when you when you meet that person i'm going to do the thing where it's just like who are we 10 years from now right are we going to fucking hate each other yeah. because that sucks yeah. and i don't want to do that and it's like God damn it, Julian! Why are you, why are you future thinking and not just existing now and allowing yep. this thing to like? That's the only thing that actually exists is right now. Nothing right. else. So, like, to project what ten years later is going to be like is 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 a waste of your time. Yeah. Uh, but it's just what I do, and it's just you know, yeah. un- the unfortunate reality of of where my brain goes.
0: I mean, I would say that's a space to work on, man, because I don't think you're giving yourself the benefit of the doubt or whoever this person is you know in the future because like you it's you two have control over where the relationship goes right together Mm -hmm. and if it's if you're conscious and aware and she's conscious and aware then even if you were to split up it would probably be a healthy way you know like like people can maintain relationships maintain love for each other and it just not work out and that's okay And i think that's much healthier than like something blowing up and there being a ton of trauma and pain inflicted you know and we can do that as human beings if we're if, you know, if we're working on our shit, you know, and I, but there's something to be said. And I really think you're courageous in saying this is I think alone time and, when I say alone time, I mean, being alone, I don't mean like fucking watching Netflix every night, like swiping on Tinder, scrolling Instagram. It's like having space to be alone with your thoughts and your feelings and look back on your life and be present, but also understand, you know, where you come from, like, you know, what you experienced as a child and adolescent, how that plays into your life, not just in a romantic setting, but in your professional life and your friendships, you know? And I think we really need alone time is essential in building self-awareness that way when we do find a partnership or for those people that aren't monogamous, when they find multiple partnerships that we can fully sort of give a hundred percent of ourselves because we know a hundred percent of our souls, Yeah, you know? And I think until you know yourself, like how many people like literally say like, I don't know, I don't feel like I know myself. And I'm like, yeah, then you should get to know yourself. You know, you should, not just what you like. Like I'm not talking about what flavor ice cream you like, what your favorite color is. I'm I'm talking about like the deepest, darkest parts of your soul that originate since childhood and are morphed over all of our experiences and hold all of our trauma bonds and our attachment styles and all this stuff Get to know that part of yourself. And it's not a shame based thing where you should, we all have those things. We all have a shadow, you know, Mm -hmm. but until you know that part and you can accept that part. And then when you get in a partnership, like here, like this is what I've noticed in myself, like giving that is giving a gift of compassion and vulnerability to your, your partner so that they can hopefully give you that as well too. And then that's how you're like, that brings you closer together, because through your wounds you can connect right, and only with awareness though, because if you're both wounded and unaware, fuck dude, that's exactly how we hurt each other you know
1: and- yeah, but how are you how are you how are you meant to how are you meant to know when you aren't and when your person is not like what is the what is the barometer for yeah. like understanding that?
0: No, I think that's a really good question. And I thought about this a lot and I think it comes down to really healthy communication and vulnerability, like being open because we're never fully healed. Like we're always, you know, dealing with shit. We're we're human beings. We're alive. We're fallible, you know? But I think when I see what I view as healthy relationships, it's both people are very open about communicating about their feelings, like where they are in space, in time, you know? And they're also conscientious about how they communicate. It's not just like I'm going to say everything I feel right at the moment because I'm just going to dump the shit on some... Because you can trigger someone. You can say yeah. something that might be right, it might be blunt, but it might be hurtful, right? Yeah. And so I think when both people can bring in that awareness that they're not just there to defend themselves and, and stick up for themselves, but they're also there to listen to the per- person because they care about the success and the progression of this relationship in this container. You know, and so the answer is like, I don't know when you know you're there, but I do know that like when you've been met and you're meeting someone, it feels like you can probably get through anything. Mm-hmm. you know, it feels solid. like what you're standing in is cemented. like you're, both of your feet are cemented in the same foundation as opposed to you're like standing on quicksand where like one of you is sinking the other one's on solid ground is sure. like floating away and it's you're not you're not in sync, you yeah. know? and even the most solid relationships like things happen, but they're able to sort of connect with each other, repair and sort of validate each other's experience and pain. It doesn't mean they both agree, but they're able to repair and respect each other and continue to build. And I think that's that's sort of the thing for me. Is like when you get to that level, you're like, "All right, this shit's working."
1: Totally, and I I believe that what you're saying is true and okay. exists. Similarly to this, the the conversation that friends with kids have that say, "You have no idea." the love that exists when you have a kid you and you won't know until you experience it okay cool i i, I believe that it's true um i believe but that's not going to that's that's not going to be the reason why i seek doing that like if i have children if i get into a relationship it's not going to be because those are missing parts in my life that i'm trying to fill that void with sure. um and and, and I think this is going to be a, an unpopular opinion, but you know, I look at all of my friends who are married with children. Everybody I know who's married for that matter. This is about marriage more than children. Okay. But children play a big factor in it. And nobody is selling me on it, dude. Nobody, mm. you know, and, and that's not to say that I'm not like, I don't admire the, the work that goes into their relationships. And I'm not like, I've, you know, I, I, I see love that's like really potent, that's really cool. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Get, but I, that, but I'm happy that that's awesome because the, uh, the alternative side to what is awesome is fucking awful. And it, and it looks harder than it needs to be. If you don't, if otherwise and. You know, I I believe, and this is where the unpopular opinions gonna come in. I believe that if I gave all of my friends' parents who have been married for twenty to forty plus years an out, a free out, just like with no consequences whatsoever, yeah. I think they'd take it. Wow! And and again,
0: yeah, I,
1: this is my pessimistic outlook sure. on this, sure, and like, yeah. but. And I don't have any, I don't have any, uh, uh, analytics or data backing any of this up. This is just my own opinion based in absolute nothingness of besides like watching and looking and being, you know, pessimistic about relationships and, you know, every girl that listens to this is going to be like, well, check that asshole off the list. I'm not hanging out with him, but, but I just, I don't know, man. And that's what scares me because it's just like, I, I don't, I don't see I'm not sold on it, and I just believe yeah. that, you know, 30 years down the road, you're like, yes, love, God, cool, <laughs> like, work. Yeah. Like, that is so epic to be able to do that with somebody for that long. Like, you know, you see these these yeah. these little videos on Instagram of, like, people that are 90 years old that are just, like, sure. holding hands and walking yeah. down the beach and, yeah. like, laughing with each other. It's like, that's awesome. Like, there are exceptions to every rule, of course. but Of course, yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, that's, yeah. that's where I'm I coming think what from. You-
0: what you touch on, Julian, is it's like our we live in a culture of like very traumatic relationships, you know, and I think our generation is a little different because our issues with contentment, because we there's always something better, hotter you know, more emotionally available out there and we're, we're, it's hard for people to commit. But I think even we, if you look at people that are born in the thirties, forties, fifties, like a lot of them stayed in relationships that might not have been healthy because they did it for family dynamics or for societal pressure or for financial reasons or whatever. And so I think it's fair to say that like, there's a lot of unhealthy uh, patterns in a lot of relationships. And so I think that's a fair assessment. I will say though, however, there's 7.7 7 billion people on this planet and you and I, maybe we're speaking of 50 to hundred relationships at most that we, you know, are drawing our own sort of anecdotal evidence from but it's fair enough i think it's a it's a fair assessment i think where where i see like the the gap in it is like you know you're still assuming that like you're going to run into one of those relationships yourself and and who knows man like the alternative is to be alone and die alone and i think that as human beings i really don't think that's our Autopilot. I don't think we're, I think we're, we're a community social based organism. And I don't know if we're necessarily all monogamous. I don't know if that's for everyone. I don't think it is. I think we're, we, you know, but I think as far as love goes, as far as deep connection, it really comes down to deep connection. I think we're, we're designed for that. I think that that's sort of the the stopgap separator from us and other species is that, you know, our consciousness and our soul is allows us to sort of blossom with another person or multiple people. And, you know, of course there, there's unhealthy patterns and relationships. And I even look at my grandparents, they were married 68 years and they were both born in the thirties and man, growing up with them, there was a ton of trauma. Like my grandfather you know even when he was older he would get angry throw a cup slam the door walk out the window go to his trailer for two nights and play poker because he was angry at my grandmother she would she would be super passive aggressive she would like nitpick him you know and i could see the unhealthy things but at the end of the day they were able to get back together repair you know, I don't know if there was ever legitimate apologies because they were both very prideful. But you know, they were able to make it work. And then when he passed away in 2012, you know, there's not a day that goes by that he's not on my grandmother's mind. You know, yeah. it's not to say you know she's 89 now, she you know possibly could fall in love again, get get uh, you know love someone else. Sure. But that bond with him, I think, I don't think she would have sacrificed that for anything. Like I don't think she would have taken it out because she she has so many good memories from that. You know, so many, and she has painful memories too, for sure but i think it just comes down to like you know the relationship and, and everything's so individual with relationships where i think that's what really why i started this show is like to learn myself but also you know to sort of get breathe a little bit more life into the possibility that you know we don't have all the answers but i think we need to start understanding why relationship dynamics have been pretty unhealthy i'd say over the past 30 40 years in western culture and i think it has to do with a lot of things. I think it has to do with the hyper-individualized society. We consistently only think about ourselves, usually. It has to do with the idea that we can achieve anything we want, if we put our mind to it, that we are entitled to everything and anything, and that we can always succeed. And then the third thing is that there's a perfect person out there for us. There, There's a soulmate. And I, I don't believe in any of those things. I think that like soulmates are built over time compatibility is built over time and of course there are some people that you're going to be more naturally compatible with but I believe if two people put in the work and they really care and love about each other you can do leaps and bounds you can grow leaps and bounds together right but it's just going back to the idea of like both people have to be aware of their shit they have to come in aware they have to commit to that and i'm not seeing a relationship is for everyone like i think singlehood is completely okay there's nothing wrong with that but i think at the end of the day i don't think there's a single human being on this planet that wants to die alone you know and i don't think we should get into relationships because we're scared of dying alone right. but i think that that should give us a sort of a, a, an understanding that like we are meant we are here to connect with each other we are here to be vulnerable we're here to grow and do some things that maybe humans in the past didn't do yeah. you know maybe break down racism maybe deconstruct patriarchy these things right and the only way to do that is to be vulnerable and to be honest about our mistakes, you know, to be honest about our traumas. And, uh, yeah, I just think when I look at myself, like, yeah, myself, like I I've, I've done some, you know, bad, like bad things, but I've done some hurtful things in relationships and I've made some mistakes and I've done some amazing things. And I've been a great partner in a lot of circumstances. And I'm trying to learn from all of those situations because I do believe in loving someone and being loved and, you know, whatever that, comes across in my way again i, I want to be as ready as i can for it you mm-hmm. know um yeah it's sort of like prepare for the worst hope for the best kind of thing yeah but yeah i know i completely get where you're coming from and, and man it's you know it's it's easy to look to be pessimistic even when i look at like stuff like climate change or, or global warming i'm like man we're it's it's really diresome with a lot of the things that is going on and you know i look at like the economic struggles across the world with covid and but like, that's the thing about being human. It's like, we should look at those things to keep us honest, but we should also just keep striving to be better, you know, to improve. And totally. I want to improve in my relationships. And the only way to do that is to eventually give myself the opportunity to be in one again.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and I appreciate that. And, and, you know, none of this is to say that I'm closed off to any of it. Like, sure. Watch tomorrow i'm going to like go fall You're like i with met someone, someone. <laughs> I can't believe she's here finally <laughs> maybe i'll just be gay dude i don't even know who cares man like i don't even know but uh, but i was going to ask like did it, is it is it arrogant to think that that like and cuz i'm not really interested in having like an open relationship either like i i, yeah. I don't think i'm secure enough for that kind of thing and yeah. i don't know that i would be great in that but is it arrogant to think that i can just like have many relationships in my life like you know w- whether they're romantic or not like uh, you know like really loving affectionate relationships with with yeah. with women with men like w- with who whoever come whoever comes across me that because at the end of the day like i'm not i'm not really nervous about the idea of dying alone Okay, you know I, I, like my whole my whole purpose in life is to is to connect is to touch yeah. people and you know through acting as the conduit in which i i am able to express myself and, and 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 expand my understanding of who i am and it's a platform hopefully that will get to uh, a level that i can have a bigger reach and talk to and and connect with many more people than what i'm currently connecting with um because that's truly what makes me the happiest that's what gives me the most self-esteem and it's not having sex it's not being romantic with the partner but it's just having relationships in general
0: for sure whether
1: or not those are loving romantic relationships excuse me um or or not i I wonder if it's like, because sometimes I'm like, maybe it's arrogant to think you can only have one partner. Like maybe like, is that is that arrogant? Like, I don't I don't know. And and again, I'm not closed off to anything, but I think because I because I act and because that is like where my where my my like frontal lobe is is constantly positioned, like moving towards this, like this this uh, this art form that that requires me to kind of like look farther than myself to understand myself a little bit more i i i'm constantly trying to discover a, a new narrative for not only myself but for like society and culture and, mm. and and how we can all operate in a different way and even sometimes like how can i throw a a wrench into the situation to see if maybe like i don't know like trial and error like it might not work a million times, but like maybe, you know, like Ben Franklin, you know, is just like trying things, trying things, trying things, trying things, trying again, trying again, trying again failing, trying again, trying again. Like whew, what an idiot until he's a genius, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of want to keep like trying all these different things and not thinking that like the, the, that the narrative needs to stay with the standards of what like our society has led us to believe yep. uh, through and 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 again, I don't have the greatest role models, so you know my parents weren't awesome in their mm. efforts to proving that this works um and yeah. Those are the first people that I saw do this um yeah. you know and and they're great, you know now they're like buds and stuff, but after a long time of of not being buds at all and like restraining orders and all that stuff and yeah. Uh, it
0: still affects you though, especially as a kid, of right? Course, of of origin, course, of so. course,
1: of course, man. And like you know, I think a big part of this reason of of why I think this way is is has a lot to do with them, you know, sure. m- majorly. Um, yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that I don't want to continue to discover new things about this and not just say, okay, this is what this is what I want and and this is what I don't want because that's when I start to to really limit myself and. It's so reductive, you know, to, to, to think that, to think anything is absolute, to think that anything is going to be like what it needs to be for me. Oh, I am looking for that because that like, you know again, I keep bringing up acting because it's always on my mind, but like, you know, you break down a script or like even a scene or even like a a few lines of dialogue and you're like, what is my intention here? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you're getting in a fight with a, with your girlfriend or something like that, let's say for the example of what we're talking about, it's like, oh cool. Well, like I want to convince her that I'm right. You know, that's my intention here, but man, context can change. Maybe I want to seduce her and that will actually convince her as well through a different approach, a different tactic. So there's all these different tactics to use in order to discover something new about yourself. And 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 I don't know, I want you know, I want a million cool girlfriends around me that just are like rad people that I can hang out with and have fun with. I want a million cool guy friends like you're a friend now. This is awesome. I'm like so pumped that we can hang and talk and have these open dialogues um but i just i can't be certain of 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 anything and and i know that sounds pessimistic through the conversation here but you know i'm and and i think a lot of it does have to do with fear if i'm being real honest i'm not trying to like sugarcoat this and be like i'm an artist and so this is how i think and it's just like you know i'm i'm a fucking i'm scared (laughs) i'm scared a lot of times
0: dude i think it takes courage to admit that and i also don't think you have to be anywhere you're not you're not, you're not currently are, you know, I think that like, it's important to know where we are. Right. And the biggest thing is in communicating that with others, because there might be someone that falls in love with you and you're just not ready, you know, and that's okay too. Um, you know, I will say that like, for me, like my past relationship, trying to force someone to do something or or be someone they're not is super unhealthy, you know? So when we get into those patterns of like trying to control or trying to project or, you know, whatever, using excuses, it's like, we're really losing like what connected, us in the first place and you know i think it's really important to be honest about where we are you know do we know ourselves like are we looking for intimacy mm-hmm. you know cuz it sounds like you're looking for connection for sure but maybe you're not looking for romantic intimacy on that level right now you know maybe you just don't need it right now that's yeah,
1: cool I'm, I'm not opposed maybe, to it either though you know like yeah. it's just like
0: yeah, you're just you're just good whether whether you're fine or not. And I think that's super fine, man. And not everyone's like that, but you are, and some people are like you, and I think that's totally fine. Like we're not we're not all in the same box here, you know? Yeah. Like for me, for instance, like I have friends that have been in polyamorous relationships or are currently or ethically non-monogamous relationships, ENM. Um, and and like some for some it works for some it doesn't work um like i that's not my vibe like i I know like i'm a super monogamous person although i've been cheated on and i have cheated um like monogamy is just you know what that's just what i want like i want a committed one partner and but i don't judge others i think like we can redefine what a healthy relationship looks like i think the main thing whether you're in a relationship with 70 people or one person it's self-awareness and Mm -hmm. if you have self-awareness you can bring that and give it as a gift to your partner or your partners or your friends or your family or your children or your dog or whatever your cat you know and be like hey you know this is why i get angry this is what this is what you know and just and you can navigate it and then if you're triggered or something you're like okay it's not this person's fault or their responsibility i i know i'm owning it you know and so i don't think a lot of the stuff i'm talking about is primarily just romantic relationships. It's just with anything. Like it's just you you and I, you know, like, you know, a deep friendship that's developed, you know, one person could trigger the other. Another person like shuts down or doesn't, you know, communicate with the person for two weeks. And um, the, the the person that, you know, did something doesn't know why. Like, why does this person stop talking to me? And it's like, you know, that that's a breach of communication. Like, you know, we have to communicate. We have to open up. We have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the problems arise when someone is vulnerable. Someone does open up. Someone does state something. And then, actions don't change right uh, my, my friend Rainier wild talked about this and i brought up the idea Rainier of trying like, wild yeah that's what his name fucking
1: sick name, what dude. a fucking name right yeah dude <laughs> it's like I don't know why, totally
0: wild him. west cowboy he <laughs> yeah. wears this awesome hat man he looks like he could totally be like a musician <laughs> dude, like a folk singer be you best know? friends with that guy you should get you even should even follow me no wild? he's amazing dude he's got yeah, wonderful sure he, writing how could he not yeah <laughs> he's an awesome ads. awesome guy cool yeah so so he talks about you know i talked asked him about the idea of what you we know what if someone says you know i'm trying i'm trying to meet you i'm trying to do this and he's like he's like nico i love you bringing that up but you know i want you to try to stand up out of your chair right now you know and i'm just like oh that's interesting you know he's like it, it's not about trying like he's like trying is basically a thing we do to have an excuse but still expect a reward mm-hmm. you know i didn't finish the race but i still want a medal at then it's yeah. kind of the analogy I completely get that because it's like look I'm not trying to heal anymore I'm not trying to find a healthy relationship I am healing I'm doing it I am doing the things in real time to be better to be a better man to be more accountable for my stuff you know to be a better friend to be a better partner and that doesn't mean I won't fall short you know but I'm doing the things to change and to grow and 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 being uh, respectful of where I am and, and being appreciative of the good things that I embody too, but I think he he made a really good point. He's like, man, there's just there's just no trying. You're either doing it or you're not. You know, you're either doing it or you're making excuses. Right. And doing it doesn't mean you're gonna be the best at it, but it means you're doing something differently. You know, you're actively, consciously trying to change something that's been a pattern that's been an autopilot right. you know to be more conscious to be more present and it doesn't have to only exist in romantic relationships in fact it shouldn't it should exists in the workplace it should exist in everything we do you know i catch myself even like my younger dog man he's such a handful like he'll do something and he's always like sort of mysteriously in the way you know and i'm always like god Seggy, like you need to get the hell out of the way <laughs> dude i'm trying to like pack you know is right. and in my mind i'm like you know what he it has nothing to do with him. It's just like, that's just him. You know, yeah. I didn't accept him. He's just, he's just a dog. He just wants to be around me. And so like, you know, and I'm always accepting him, but sometimes, especially when I'm moving and packing, I can feel my fuse getting short. I'm like, dude, like go outside, you know? Right. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's all good. Like I'll, I'll drop him off at a friend's house and I'll watch him on. Pack. It's just, it's just the idea of like being aware of like, like he's not even triggering me. What's triggering me is I'm like, you know, like, sort of short because I'm packing, I'm moving my life again. I'm stressed out because right. of this, and the dog is just the catalyst for again teaching me the lesson of like, come back to presence, man. Like, yeah. like, why are you feeling this? You know, why are you being short? Why are you do, why are you reacting this way? And um, I went off of a super that, well. That's
1: that's that's the self awareness you're talking about, man. Like to yeah. to be able to stop yourself and check in and say, okay, I'm anxious right now, or I'm angry right now, or yeah. I'm even when you're happy i'm stoked right now it's like yeah. okay what what is causing this what is sure. what's happening right now that's making me do this and how do i either like how do i embrace it and feel more of it or how do i like remove this and and get back to center and find myself yeah. And just that. that question alone, you know, so many people are walking through life. I live out here in New York, dude. People are just like grunting through the subway. Like, get the fuck out of my way, dude. I'm trying to get to fucking Times Square to get my bagel bites. You know, it's just like, Jesus, dude, like relax. <laughs>
0: New Yorkers sound like they're from Texas for
1: some reason. <laughs> yes, for some reason. They probably are, dude. Everybody's from everywhere out here. <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody's just like, you know, it's like, I, I saw it so much, man. I used to bartend for a, for a long time and out here and, you know, I saw people, man, who were just like, it's, and I was fascinated by it. It's not like you don't come in and and start like acting like a dick. And I'm just instantly like, oh, you're, you're just an asshole. You're a douchebag. You're whatever. It's like, what's going on with you, man? Like what's, what's really going on? And when you are willing to actually talk to somebody and that human is willing to, to reciprocate and talk back, you can really find something, man. I used to I used to have like therapy sessions behind the bar and get these people just hammered, drunk and then they'd come and like give me hugs at the end of the night and they'd be like, crying, just like oh, yeah. Thanks, man. This is the greatest Wednesday I've ever had in my life, dude. And I was just like, you know, I just needed somebody to listen, you know? You just needed to, yeah. But like you need to acknowledge when you're in those spaces and some people are so, you know, I've been there before myself. Some people are just so, uh, in it that, that they, that they can't acknowledge getting out of it. And, and it's, and it's so damaging. And, uh, you know, to, to to your point, it's just, it's just checking in and saying, Oh, but like, if you let that go for too long and you develop habits around that notion and you just continue to kind of like exist, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to change anything. You're just going to stay in that place and perpetuate that problem. And I find that, you know, honestly mostly when i'm feeling good it's just like oh what's happening right now right because i want more of that you know how do i how do i find like more uh uh you know of these like chemicals that i want to like fill my body with so that i can like and you know that typically just comes down to really simple things like exercising and like writing or being productive Mm -hmm. like getting something done doing something that like you know you feel like you have accomplished uh And so it's, it's, it's all relatively simple when you just break it down for yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's the most complex thing in the world, but when you, when you can manage it, it's, you know, it's, 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 you can live life so much easier. You don't have to really complicate it, you know? And I find that I'm kind of getting to that spot now for myself where I'm just like checking in and being like. Cause I get anxious, man. And I'm just like, Oh my yeah. God, and I could wake up. And like, first thing I do is like, look at my phone and drop it on my face. Cause it's, yeah. I'm like just laying down. And that's like your first sign that you shouldn't be yeah. looking at your phone right when you wake up. Right. It breaks your forehead. Um, you know, and then you, yeah. and then you're instantly just like you're, that's your first, that's your first piece of, of anything for the day. And the, yeah, whether or not first, that's good or yeah. bad, it's just like, well, That's starting me off and it's bad because it's not good because even if it is good, it's not yours. It's just, it's just nothingness of,
0: I was just going to say, yeah, like the, I used to be in a habit of just looking at my phone and looking at Instagram immediately when I wake, wake up and one of the things I tried to get into a habit with with my last partner is instead of doing that you know turn to her and be like you know I love you I appreciate you being here yeah. I'm happy you're being here and so being single now you know I, I still try to practice those same things I, I really try to not look at my phone in my first minutes of waking up I try to you turn like, over to your leave dog it alone it turn it. over my dog or go outside and look at the sunshine you know yeah. that, that really sets us up for healthy sleep down the line I did a podcast on sleep an episode with um, Kristen Holmes she's the the VP of human performance from Whoop and they're like a sleep, a sleep company cool. it's really interesting she just talked about like people don't realize how much of your mental health and your productivity is affected by the first 20 minutes of your day when you wake up you know meaning like you know you should go see the sun like don't just look at blue light go look at actual light like if you were to get up out of a tent you know or out of a out of a you know like a, a shelter when we were sort of you know back in the stone age still and like go out and be greeted by the sun yeah. you know and it sounds like woo but it's not it's us man we're, we are nature like we we aren't like separate from it and i i wanted to get back to a point that you said about you know sort of awareness because I really believe like without practicing awareness, without building awareness, we lose, we give up our power. We give up our power to alter a situation Mm where we're we're merely a sort of, what's the word like passenger on a vessel that we don't have control of anymore, but the Mm -hmm. vessel is us. Right. And to be conscious or to tap into our soul is to take the driver's seat of this vessel and take accountability responsibility. And I also like you bring up joy and happiness because we can't have joy or happiness without having sadness. Right. You know, we, we don't exist on that. We, we have to have the polarity because in order to acknowledge happiness like a happy feeling is happening, we're happy, we've had to know what the opposite feels like. We have to know what sadness feels like. We have to know what grief and loss feels like. And know that even in our happiest moments, we are going to get to a point again that we feel sad, we feel grief, and that's okay, that is to be alive. Right. Like that is a gift to be able to feel sad because the alternative is not feeling anything right and i think like that's why it makes the happy times and the good moments so sweeter and people are always like i just want to live a happy life and it's like just live a good life like you're going to be happy and yeah. you're going to be sad you're going to hurt and you're going to get hurt yep. but if you can focus on being a good person to yourself and to others and expanding on that it's probably going to lead you down a good path totally. it might not be the perfect path for you but it's going to be a good path yeah. and you know it's just I don't know, like I used to always judge myself based on how happy I was feeling. You know, man, I'm feeling down again or I'm feeling like lonely or depressed again or something. And it's like, why don't I just let myself feel these things? Like other people are feeling this shit too. And it's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with me. It's not, it's not wrong to feel sad, man. You know, it's hard it's like, when you're
1: in it, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, it's really hard when you're in it to, to really see beyond that thing.
0: It is. Yeah. Cause you're stuck in the storm. You're stuck in the cloud and you're like, there's no, I can't see the sun. I'm fucking going to be stuck here for years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes we are. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: yeah. I remember having the wherewithal to like back when I, I think it was when I was like five years ago or something, I had first stopped drinking and, you know, maybe had been in that for like a year or something. And was like, I was, I was, I was telling myself I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of me. Yeah. And, and just saying that to myself, like would make me cry because it was such a monumental statement to make for mm-hmm. me. And, I remember thinking to myself and having the wherewithal to say, you know, you're you you're going to have experiences that are going to that are going to, you know, ebb and flow moving forward. And so it's not going to feel like this all the time. You're not going to be pr- you're not just going to stay in this mode of being proud and happy and excited. But with that being said, you have the ability to know how to get back to where you're currently at. And God, man, I like, I went through a real weird phase even recently, you know, just like post COVID coming back to New York and being like, oh my God, man, like the whole world's reopened again. And like, I developed this whole new business model for myself doing all these different things. And now I'm back here and I'm kind of just like, like chasing the thing that I was really happy to kind of be away from when I got away from it. And now I'm back here and I'm like, oh, my God, like I feel like I've been missing out on something and I feel like I have to like get right back to it. And I, you know, I was just like I was going through a really weird kind of like depressive state. And I just had to remind myself it was like you have the capacity to get back to wherever it is you want to be to feel better. But like even once you get there, just continue to acknowledge that it's going to come up and come down, you know, like and be cool with that because that's life
0: that is the gift of life my friend like that is like death is the reminder that pain is part of life yeah and so is joy and you know if we just look at the Taoist theory of yin and yang or wu wei it's like the middle way it's like there's darkness and light and we consistently associate light with being happy but it's not always the thing and i think that's why people are so scared of getting to know their shadow because it's painful like we've had enough pain we don't want any more pain it's like no like it's worth it because in order to get to know your shadow fully, you can experience the full capacity of joy too. Because it's like in order for something to exist, nothing has to exist as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a like theory of relativity with with yeah. everything. And I believe that's, that's really true. Like it holds true to most of the things in our sort of reality, in our world. Um, but- I will say that I want to ask you a question before we go here and I want, I want to know where people can find you to talk about your podcast and, and your social media so people can go connect with you. Oh. But, um, like what is one thing right now being single and, and working on being an actor and being in New York city and pursuing your dreams and your goals? Like, how are you working on yourself right now? And what are some things you might share with other people that have impacted you based on where you currently are versus maybe where you were, you know, two or three, four or five years ago? hmm
1: Um, I mean, I don't want to answer this like from any like surface level place, so we'll see where I land with it. But I think just first and foremost, uh, sobriety for me has been humongous. Um, you know, I, I, I was really, um, I don't know, man, alcohol is like such a depressive and, and for everybody, you know, like we're doing, when you really, when you really kind of pull back and, and, and ask yourself like, what, why am I having this drink right now? Like, what is this really for? Right. You know, it is poison. You know, we're like, yep. we stigmatize smoking weed or like doing mushrooms or acid, but like right. we totally celebrate drinking and it's like so much fucking worse for you. Um But it's acceptable. And so, you know, nobody, nobody cares and everybody does it. And so. And that's not to say that I'm like over here just doing, doing acid and mushrooms or anything at all. But, uh, you know, sobriety has been really helpful for me to, to really get clarity and to really kind of like open up my, uh, my, my brain to kind of what, what it is that I want to do. Spending time by myself, um, to not do anything other than, uh, write journal, um, write scripts. Um, it's so, it's, it's so cathartic for me to, to put my thoughts on paper and to write stuff out. Um, to, 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 when I spend time with myself, it's like, sometimes it's like, Oh, like last night, even I had this, this moment where I had a friend that had invited me to come out. And I really kind of was like, you should like, live in the moment, go hang out, go hang out with them. Like they're hanging out right now, like dancing and partying and doing fun things. And I had no interest in partying, but I just kind of felt like, Oh, I should like, I should go live, you know, like just Mm -hmm. go hang out and be around new people and stuff. And I made the decision to just come home and, and, and work. And it's, you know, my work isn't, isn't work. That's like, I'm going to come home and, and like crunch numbers and like, you know, figure out the, the, the analytical, nonsense of whatever the fuck people are doing in the world i don't don't even know i don't even know what people are doing um but uh you know i came home and i and i worked on like this script that i'm that i'm building a pitch deck for that i'm trying to like get put into production and um you know exercise is always a surefire way for me to feel better about myself i have myself and, and honestly man like it all comes down to sobriety for me because it allows me to book out my morning somebody told me a long time ago he was just like you know the best thing i ever did for myself was just book out book out my mornings um yeah. meaning like if you have something to get up for every single morning whether or not that's just like doing five push-ups out of right out of bed or whether that's like journaling or just like your morning meditation or a breathing exercise or any like whatever it is big or small just do just commit doing that, dedicate every single morning to doing that. And it will significantly change the approach to how you live your, your nights. And then you get home and you're like, okay, well, like I promised myself that I was going to meditate in the morning. So like, if that's a commitment I made, then I'm going to stay disciplined and I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, booking out my mornings has been really helpful. And, and honestly, man, I, I think just like really, I've had a lot of time, you know, in COVID and post, with Alan and without in Washington state and in New York to kind of really like reflect on what it is that I want as, as an, as an artist and as, and as myself, as Julian, um, as a, as a brother, as a son, as a friend. Um, and, and more than anything, you know, it's just like continuing to write about that stuff and, and kind of like spend time calling friends, you know, take, I I had like a five and a half hour call with a friend the other day, and it was so good. It's it was awesome. like, it was like, that was five and a half hours. Felt like 12 minutes, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, just like taking the time to like stop and slow down and, uh, and, and to just give yourself some fucking credit, mm. you know, cause you're good. You're, you mm. are good as long as yeah. you say you're good,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? Um, And so I feel, I feel like I'm getting back to that place where I can tell myself that I'm proud of myself again. I don't know that I'm fully quite there yet because I still, because it would be, it would be, uh, it would be rushed for me to say that because I'm still working on some stuff. Um, but, but every single new day is, is inching a little bit closer to that. Um, and something might happen, man. Like, you know, something, something might throw a wrench in that, in that gear and, and, and mess me up again. But but that's life, man. And I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, really accept it as it comes and, and enjoy it as I'm, as I'm going through it. So
0: I love it, my man. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that drop a little wisdom. So where can people find you, Julian, and tell us about the podcast with Alan, what you guys yeah. usually talk about on that and your social stuff.
1: Yeah, man. So Alan stone is, uh, what is Alan stone? Alan's, uh, is, a. Is a global, global touring musician who sings, uh, soul music. For anybody who doesn't know Alan Stone, he's a musician. He's got the voice of an angel. He's, uh, he's, he's like a white long blonde haired Coke bottle glass, hippie looking Stevie wonder sounding incredible singer. And I get the privilege of being his best friend. He's obnoxiously talented, uh, and has, uh, some pretty interesting insight into life. And so him and I have a podcast called how good's this, uh, it's, it's wherever you get podcasts and we do, we film it as well, similar to this. Um, and it's on YouTube and we just talk shit. (laughs) Like we used to do guests and we had guests on for a little while and that was fun. Um, but then we, we left each other for a while. And so we just had to stockpile a bunch of episodes to keep it going. And so um it's just like two two artists and our friend steve is is a part of it too who's uh one of alan's like roadies who goes out with alan all the time and and he lives out there is uh, out in spokane washington as well Okay. uh and and yeah man we just like are silly kids we, there's no real purpose to the conversations at all i was it was funny i was listening to uh like boost your podcast, like figure out ways to make your podcast the best thing and and make your podcast a real business. And I was like, you know, stupidly like click the link and like watch this guy start talking about it. He was like, okay, first thing, make it specific. And I was like, well, we're fucked. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) specific about our podcast at all. Like every single time we get on, we're just like, so let's start and then we just go you know but it's always the best man and it just allows us to catch up it allows us to talk and it and it really you know the the power of conversation is so important now in this in this time you know yes. in 2021 where we're all just so such slaves to our devices and you know we've like forgotten how to talk and communicate and i think it's such yeah. a, a such a an awesome opportunity for us to just like practice being humans you know mm. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, we say a lot of dumb shit, but you know, sometimes we throw in some pepper and some little uh yeah. nice little snippets of some some fun stuff in there, you know. And most yeah, of the time I've we're just laughing flips. at each other. So uh so yeah, it's called How Good's This. Uh and uh and yeah, otherwise I'm just like, you know, on social media that I want to not be on. Yeah. Um yeah. Julian Gavilanis is my name. Cool. Find me whenever you want to, ladies and gentlemen.
0: I will throw the links to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, I'll toss Alan's music in there just in case. Uh, hopefully if you, you should know who Alan's known as the guy belts. Um, he has an absolute, absolute talent and Julian is extremely talented in his own right too. So go follow him, check out their podcasts. Uh, I'm sure Julian more than open. If you reach out to him and you want to chat more about anything he said, you should do that too. Um, but dude, Julian, thank you so much, my man for coming on. It's been wonderful to talk to you, to see your face, you are shimmering you look like you are in a good spot out there in new york and it's wonderful to see that my man
1: yeah likewise dude thanks nico i really appreciate you having me on dude this was super fun important for people to do this more often
0: i agree my brother
1: exactly thanks for having me dude